you have a Bible or Bible app on your phone or device, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So the angels announced to these um, smelly, socially unaccepted shepherds that there is a baby that has been born, and he is Christ the Lord. But they don't just stop there. They give another description of this baby lying in the manger, and they say that this baby lying in the manger, who is Christ the Lord, is a what? A savior. So it seems to matter to the angels that this baby lying in the manger is called Christ because this Christ, they say, is a savior. Now go with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. Let's unpack a little bit what that means. Matthew chapter 1. Verses 18 through 21. Matthew 1, 18 through 21. This is Matthew's account of the Christmas story, if you will, or one part of the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to, J to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at this name Jesus, and we understood that the name Jesus, actually back in that time period, in that time in that place, was a very ordinary name. Parents often would name their baby boys Jesus. And so this is a very ordinary name, but a very extraordinary meaning to this name. Because when a parent would name their baby boy Jesus, that was an anticipation that the Lord would come and save. This baby is that Lord who has come to save. So this Jesus, who is called Christ, the Lord, this is the Savior. And the angel specifically tells what he's going to save people from, which is our sins. Now, sin is a massive part of the Christmas story. But let's be honest, we just don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about sin. We don't like to talk about sin. I mean, I won't ask for a show of hands, but actually how many of us this past week actually thought about your sin? You don't need to raise your hand. You thought about your sin to the point to where you actually took time to apologize to God for the sins you committed this past week. Maybe you apologize to someone else 
who you offended or hurt, but did you actually take time to apologize to God for the sin? We just don't like to think about our sin, and we don't like to talk about it much, but it is a massive part of the Christmas story. I mean, the angels know that sin is part of the Christmas story. They announce to the smelly shepherds, right, a Savior has been born. They announce to Joseph that this baby who is Jesus is going to save his people from their sins. So the angels know that Christmas involves sin, saving from sin. Joseph now knows because the angel has announced to him that this baby that he's going to adopt as his own son is going to have the name Jesus. And specifically, the meaning of this Jesus, his name is going to be the Lord who saves people from their sins. So Joseph knows. Teenage Mary knows that sin is part of the Christmas story. Because if you were to go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, she gives us prayer and she refers to God, my Savior. So she knows that she has sin and that this God who she's been serving is her Savior. Which means, again, that she knows that sin is part of the Christmas story. Jesus knows that sin is part of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Some of you may remember that little song growing up in church. Luke chapter 19 talks about Zacchaeus, and the people that knew Zacchaeus actually referred to Zacchaeus as a sinner. Why is Jesus hanging out with a sinner, they said, calling Zacchaeus a sinner. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus And he says to the people, listen, the son of man, referring to himself, has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus knows that he came, why? To save sinners. The apostle Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, his very first letter to his young protege, Timothy, says this, Christ Jesus came into the world, why? To save sinners. Sin is a massive part of the Christmas story. But I need to ask you an honest question. Do you really believe that your sin is so destructive, so dangerous, so deadly, so offensive to God that you need God himself to save you from it? Do you really believe that? And do you believe that your neighbors also, that their sin is so damaging and so destructive that they need God to save them from their sin? Here's what I want you to talk about with the people next to you. Just take a couple minutes. What would it look like if we really believed really believed that we need God to save us from our sins. What would that look like if we really believed that? Just take a couple minutes right where you are, turn to the person who's near you, and talk about that. What would it look like if we really believed we needed saving from sin? Take a couple minutes. And so the angels announced that this baby lying in the manger is what? Is a savior, right? And, and it's, his name is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And 
Two weeks ago, we discovered that because his name is Christ, he's the promised one, he's the anointed one, which means then that because this baby lying in the manger is Christ, God will make good on his promises to you. And because this baby is Christ, he's the perfect prophet, which means you can trust what he says to you. He's the perfect priest. You can lean in and trust the sacrifice that he made for you was accepted. And he's the perfect king, which means you can trust him to lead you. But the angels also say that he's this Christ who is the Lord, right? He's a savior. So what does that mean and why does that matter? I want to explore a little bit about that, a little bit of that for us today. And, and let's just unpack the meaning Savior, the name Savior. What does that mean? It has two primary meanings. The first means to rescue or to deliver from danger or destruction. Now, the angel has already told Joseph what it is that Jesus is going to save us from, which is sin. Can you just say, say it? Sin. All right, let's just say it. So the angel has told us that Jesus is going to save us from sin. And the word Savior means to deliver, to rescue from danger or destruction. So that must mean that that your sin, that sin of pride, that sin of anger, that sin of bitterness, that sin of whatever it might be, that's dangerous. It's destructive. So much so that you need God himself to send his son to rescue you out of it, to rescue you from it, because that's what Savior means. But the good news is this Jesus can rescue you from that. Because he is the Savior. So whatever sin, whatever, uh, I don't know what, you name it, that you're struggling with, pride, bitterness, greed, comparing yourself, seeking approval of others, whatever that might be, Jesus Christ is a Savior. He can deliver you from that, from that sin. But the second meaning of Savior means to make whole, to make well. So then what does that tell us about sin? Sin makes you sick. It makes your soul sick and unhealthy. Sin makes you incomplete. But the good news is then that what? If you have Jesus, you are whole. You are complete. You don't need to seek any other relationship. You don't need to seek that in in activities or success in business, whatever. You are complete if you have Jesus because Jesus is your Savior who makes you whole. Right? He makes you whole. He makes you well, your soul well. Sin is a massive part of the Christmas story, and the baby lying in the manger is a savior from your sin. But I wonder, guys, listen to me. I wonder if you're like me. You, you see the bumper stickers, Jesus saves. You see the signs at the football games, Jesus saves, right? And you hear it, and we even think about Jesus being our savior, and I just wonder... If you're at all like me at times, we hear this like we hear the safety announcement after boarding a plane. How many of you flown multiple times? Right? What do people typically do after they board the plane, people that have flown multiple times, and the flight attendants are basically telling you what you need to do to save your life? What do we do? What's that? You ignore it. Put the earbuds in, pull out the book. Right, Whatever it might be, you're just absolutely ignoring it. It's not that you don't think it that's important. It's not that you don't believe that what they're telling you, you actually need to know. It's just that you've heard it so many times. You're good. You are good. 
And I just wonder, when it comes to this baby who is called Christ the Lord, who is our Savior, if when we hear that, it's just like that safety announcement after boarding a plane. We just simply ignore it. It's lost its significance. So, I have a tough job this morning. We have a tough job this morning because how do you make something that you've heard over and over and over and over again be fresh for us? I don't know anything other to do than go to the truth of God's word and remind us of probably the things we already know. All right? So here's what we're going to do. I want to unpack three realities for you if Jesus is your Savior. Three realities for you if Jesus Christ is your Savior this morning. Now, anybody seen A Christmas Carol? Have you ever seen or read the book? Anybody actually read the book? Okay, excellent. Good for you guys. All right. So, you know, Christmas Carol talks about who? Scrooge. And Scrooge is visited by what? Ghosts of what? Three ghosts, past, present, and future, right? He's visited by three ghosts, past, present, and future. The three realities about your salvation I want to unpack for us that I believe the Bible teaches have to do with past, present, and future. And the first one has to do with salvation past. Salvation past. Go to the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 9. I just want to unpack for us three realities as it relates to Jesus being our Savior. That this baby lying in the manger is our Savior. Salvation past. Romans 5, 9. Now, when we talk about salvation past... Think of it this way, in the fact that, and this is the way I think many of us think of salvation, like, I have been saved. Jesus has saved me. And specifically, if we look at Romans 5 and 9, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. That's past. This is something that has happened to you when you surrendered your life to Jesus and put your faith and life into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and what he did for you, you have now been justified. What's that mean? Justified means to basically be you are guilty, but Jesus served your sentence for your sins against God. And now God, who is a judge, declares you free. Declares you free. Even though you were guilty, someone else, Jesus, took the sentence, the punishment that you deserve for those crimes against God. And in that moment of faith, of believing Jesus to be the one who served the sentence for you, God justifies you. He sets you free. So salvation past really has to do with the reality that God has saved you from the punishment of your sins. And that's what it says here. He's justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled, were reconciled, past tense, to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, verse 11, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received, past tense, reconciliation. So salvation past, theological word for that is justification, which means God has set you free or he has um, saved you from the punishment that you deserve for your sins, which is his wrath. 
John chapter 3, verse 36 says that if you are not believing Jesus is the Christ, then you are under God's wrath. His anger, hell, is your destination. And what's beautiful about Jesus being your Savior is he saves you from that. He, sa- he has saved you from the punishment that you deserve for your sins. What does that matter? Why does that matter? It matters that Jesus is your Savior then because it means you don't need to live in fear of God's judgment for your sin. You don't need to live running around, walking around thinking that God's going to punish me. That's what the cross was for. You don't, need to, you don't need to live that. You don't need to live in fear that. You don't need to live seeking the approval of God, trying to earn God's approval enough that, that he'll like you better than the next guy so you get in. Because he's already satisfied that through his son on the cross. There's so much freedom when Jesus Christ is your savior. And he has saved you from the punishment that you deserve for your sins. The problem is we've forgotten just how bad our sin is. And how heinous and horrifying and offensive our sin is to God. But Jesus came to save you from your sins, people. And if Jesus is your Savior, you don't need to live under the fear of God's judgment because that's what, as I said, was what the cross was for, and you are free from that. That's great news. That is amazing news. Salvation passed. It's kind of like, you know, it talks about the angels say how you'll find Jesus wrapped or lying in a manger wrapped in what? Swallowing clothes? I was thinking about this as I was, as I was preparing, and it's kind of like Jesus came wrapped in swaddling clothes, then goes to a cross, wraps himself up in your sin and your death that you deserve so that you could be wrapped up in him and his righteousness forever. That's justification. That's salvation, past. And that is your story if Jesus is your Savior. All right. Salvation present. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 18. Let's go. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 18. Paul writes. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are what? Being saved. It is the power of God. So you have this past salvation, which means that God has saved you from the punishment that you deserve, rightfully so, for your sins against God. God has saved you. Jesus has saved you from that. You don't need to live in fear of that. But what's amazing that Jesus is also doing, he is presently saving you. So if salvation past is God saving you from the punishment your sins deserve, salvation present is Jesus is saving you from the domination of your sin. From the domination of your sin. He's saving you from that. Because up to this point, before Jesus' sin, it just dominates you. That's what's dictating who you are, what you do, and why you do what you do. But Jesus comes and he says, not only have I saved you from the punishment that you deserve, I am saving you from that control of sin that it used to have over you. Jesus is saving you, being saved. And he says it again in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2, talking about those who are being saved. It's present tense. Why does this matter? 
It matters because Jesus has given you through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit what you need, what you need for that sin that you've been holding on to before you came to Christ to have domination over. He's given you the Spirit, the Spirit inside you to take over that. Those sins are no longer your identity. Jesus is, and he is inside you right now by his Spirit, saving you, delivering you, rescuing you, rescuing you right now, even as you sit there. You are being saved. You have been saved, but you are being saved. The theological word for that is sanctification. You are being saved right now from those sins that used to have control over you. And that takes time. That's a process. It's kind of like, you know, we have tea in the back, right? You grab a cup of hot tea. What do you do? You put the tea bag in the hot tea, in the hot water, and what? Do you just drink it right now? You let it sit there and steep, right? And the longer it steeps, right, the more the little stuff in the tea bag, I guess it's called tea, actually gets in the water and begins to take over the water. But that takes time. That's a process. That's sanctification. That's being saved to where God himself comes inside you and begins to take over and dominate the cup of tea. You. We're no longer identified as hot water. You're identified as wonderful, beautiful tasting tea. As the spirit begins to work in and through you. It's salvation present. And then salvation future. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Paul talks about this as well in 1 Corinthians 15, but I want to look at this specific passage. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw, and this is Apostle John writing, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Think about this. And death will be no more. Neither will there be any mourning or grieving or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Think about that. Can you imagine what that will be like? That's salvation future. Theological word for that is glorification. When you will be set free from the very presence of sin and all the suffering and brokenness that follows it. And if Jesus is your Savior, that is a guaranteed hope that you have. You have that if Jesus is your Savior. Guaranteed hope. Salvation past. Justification. Jesus saves you from the punishment of sin. Salvation present. Sanctification. Jesus is saving you from the domination of sin in your life. Salvation future, Jesus will save you from the presence of sin and all the suffering and brokenness from it. That little baby lying in a manger is amazing. Because he is Jesus Christ, the Lord, Savior. 
Savior. What was Scrooge's response after he was visited by past, present, and future? Joy. He was a changed man. He was a transformed man. When Jesus, your Savior, visits you, you are changed. You are transformed because you understand by the power of the Holy Spirit that he has saved you from the punishment that your sin deserves and that he is saving you from the domination of those sins that once controlled you. And he will save you one day from the very presence of sin once for all, from all the suffering and all the brokenness that follows sin. When you get a hold of that, you changed forever. Because of Jesus, your perfect Savior. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you, look, unto you, you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, your Savior, who is Christ the Lord. But I got to ask you a question. Do you honestly believe that? Do you really believe? Are you believing right now that Jesus Christ is your Savior? What would it look like if you, if we, if your house church truly, honestly believed this? What would it look like? Here's what I want you to do. If you have a phone, I want you to pull out your phone. I want you to go to the notes app or whatever you need. There's some paper and pens near you as well. There's some pens, I think, in the middle of each row on our seat in front of you if you'd rather use paper and pen. I just want to spend a few moments and give you a, free, a few moments to just write down and think about the reality of Jesus being your Savior. Maybe that means you're going to take time to write down what Jesus has saved you from. Maybe you're going to take time to write down what Jesus, those sins that Jesus is saving you from. And maybe you want to include what Jesus will save you from. So just take a moment and ask the Spirit to work in your heart right now. And what's He saying to you? Just write it down. Take some time. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David your Savior, who is Christ the Lord.
So what now? If he's not your savior, right where you sit this morning, you accept his invitation to be your savior, believing with all your heart that he died on a cross, the death you deserved, so that you could be set free, so that you could be saved. If you are believing Jesus is your Savior, good news of great joy. So let's stand together. Invite the band to come. I want you to come if you're in the back, if you'd like to come forward and join us as we sing these final two songs together. Let's cross the aisles together and let's just sing these songs in worship of Jesus, our Savior. It matters that the baby lying in the manger is called Christ, the Lord. He's your Savior. He's your Savior. Lord Jesus, we love you. We confess that our hearts grow cold to the realities of what you've done for us. But I pray that in this moment, by the power of your Holy Spirit and his presence among us, would you please refresh our hearts, warm our hearts once again to the beautiful truth that you've saved us. And I pray that if there's someone here this morning, they're not saved, they've not trusted you, Jesus, to be your Savior, to be their Savior, I pray that right now in this moment in their heart of hearts, they would cry out to you and just simply say, Jesus, come, save me. I pray that that would happen. Before we sing, would you say this with me? Would you simply say, Jesus, you've saved me. Say it. Jesus, you've saved me. Can we say this? Jesus, you are saving me. Jesus. And last, but not the least, Jesus, you will save me. Let's say it. Let's sing together.